Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. All right, well, welcome to week three of the Good Steward series. We'll take a moment, welcome those of us joining, or those of you that are joining us in Haslett, joining us in McKinney, joining us online as well. Put our hands together and just welcome all those that are joining us in all those spaces and places and watching at a later time. I heard a shout. You got a shout online from somebody here. Wow. But online audience, real quick. We know holidays coming up. A lot of you come and visit one of our physical campuses for the first time around Christmas. And we're so excited to meet you, whether you're visiting family in town or you're coming to church for the first time. Uh, when you come to McKinney, Haslett, Keller, or even Argyle, be sure you tell us we'd love to meet you face to face. All right, well, we got a good morning. We're in week three of this stewardship series, The Good Steward. We're talking about what the Bible has to say about stewarding all that God has entrusted to us. If you have your Bible, we're going to go to two places. Uh, first one, 2 Corinthians 9, and then Luke chapter 12, the two places we're going to go. I love this series. I love talking about stewardship, and I know the church loves talking about stewardship. <laughs> Tell yourself that, right? But let me say it this way. We love talking about stewarding more. We don't like talking about stewarding less. It's all the lens you see it. If you're talking about stewarding an unexpected bonus that came your way, that's a fun talk. If you're talking about stewarding an unexpected bill that came your way, that's a totally different talk. See, I want you to see and have a lens to see that God has more and so much more for you. Beyond even the financial blessings, beyond that, through the bigger stuff. His blessing, more of his blessing in your life. As Pastor Jeff said in week one, that's so true. He said, I know plenty of wealthy people who aren't blessed. It's not about, wealth's not the blessing. The blessing is something totally different. The blessing impacts our marriage, our children, impacts our purpose. The blessing got so much bigger because God's so much bigger. He's so big that he can be concerned with the greatest global conflict. And he can also be concerned with the greatest conflict that's facing your life today, right now. That's how big, how good he is, and how broad his blessing is in our life. But it's all in how you see it. Because you can even look at the Bible, you can missee it. My son and I were reading through the Bible. He's in college now, but when he was 12, and he missaw something. We're reading in the book of Joshua, and we get to a character, uh, Rahab, the prostitute. So it was a good I pause. My son, uh, do you know what this is? And he just goes, yeah, Dad, I think so. Well, not an area you want to leave to, you know, to doubt. I want to make sure he's sure on this. And so I explain. And he just goes, yeah, I was way off. <laughs> I said, well, what were you thinking? And he said, um, like, like a lawyer? <laughs> he said, but that's kind of different, huh? I'm like, yeah, it is. And I'm like, were you, like, prosecutor? He's like, yes, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, okay, yeah. Two different things, different things, different things. And if you're a 12-year-old boy here today with your parents' phone in your hand, do not Google prostitute. That did happen last night. So this is a public service announcement. No, no Googling curiosity. Ask your mom or dad on the way out. Good luck at lunch. Have fun. All right. <laughs> but I want you to see it right. 
how do you see it right? This is how a good steward sees it. They see, first off, that God is a giver. He's a giver in his nature. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son for us. Second Peter says he gives us all things, all things for life and godliness. Psalms even say he gives us the desires of our heart. Is he giving what we want or is he giving the motivation? I don't know, but he still he gives. John 10.10 10 says he gives us life and he gives it to the full. Even God's takes our gives. What does he take? Our sin, our shame, our guilt, our pain. He takes it. He says, no, take my yoke upon you. It's easy. It's light. Even God's takes our gives. He's a giver. Second thing a good steward sees is that God has more for you. He has more for you. No matter what you've done, what you had, where you've been, how much time you have left, as long as it's ticking, there's more. God has purpose. God has plans for you that are exceedingly abundantly beyond what you can even ask or think. He's not done using you yet. Whatever you've done before, he's got more for you, for him. Third thing is God always blesses his way in his time. It's just the way it is. He always blesses his way in his time. We're going to talk more about that. And the fourth thing, God blesses others through you. It's just the way he chose to do it, through a person and through his church, is how God has chosen to bless. A good verse that shows that is in 2 Corinthians. We looked at it last week. I want to look at it again. So I love this passage. It's so, so motivating in the area of being a good steward. 2 Corinthians 9, 10 here, 10 and 11, we got this. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, Seed and bread. Have your cake and eat it. All right, what a good God. We'll also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So not just the financial resource, but your righteousness, your, your impact for the kingdom, the bigger things. You will be enriched in every way. Every way. Even the ways that can't be bought, you'll be enriched. So that you can be generous on every occasion. Generous on every occasion. Can you imagine living like that? I so want to. I'm not there. I so want to. I've had this verse. I had it on my dash for two years in my car. But that was my prayer. I want to be generous on every occasion. Because naturally I'm a little bit tight. But every person that reaches out to say, hey, you think you can help sponsor this trip we're going on? Can you help my kid with this thing, the fundraiser for their band? This thing they're going on with their sports team? Every time the clerk says, do you want to round up for the children? Yes. Every time someone has a baby and needs a meal, every time someone has a need, we can go serve them. Every time with our building campaigns, we have these opportunities. Yes, every time, yes, generous on every occasion. Man, I want, I want to get there. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Isn't that cool how it comes through us, but who gets the credit? Who gets the glory? Who gets the praise? God. It's an amazing thing how that works. Again, I, I want to live this way. I want to be this kind of person. I was impacted by this just this last summer. I took my family. We were on vacation visiting our family down in South Florida, down in Naples. And it's my daughter's birthday. And so we go out to eat. We had a great reservation somewhere, but that reservation didn't work out. We had to find another place. And the other place had an open spot, but they also had a lot more of those little dollar signs next to their review. Right? Was, I was like, oh, okay. Oh. Bugatti out front. Not a good sign. Um, and so, but we go in, 
and I'm like a little reluctant. I'm not quite, you know, there as the good steward, the generous person I want to be. And so we sit down, and I look at the menu, and then I begin to order very conservatively, right? You know, I encourage sharing. Let's, let's, let's do such big portions here. I can see it. I just, you, you guys share and limit the Shirley Temples. Like, that's, that's enough. That's good. That's good. We'll just take the soda water. Leave the cherry. Leave the juice. Okay. And so I'm just dreading the, mor- the mortgage coming out. And so then it finally comes. The waiter comes out and just says, hey, just want to let you know it's all taken care of. What? Yeah, someone just want me to let you know they're so glad that you pray with your family and they want to take care of your meal. Whoa. Remember that hit us. And I remember how I felt that whole time and didn't enjoy that whole meal. And just, but God, thank you. I'm giving thanks to God, and then I'm looking around, right? You're doing that kind of smile nod, just you don't know who it is. Just, thank you. Thank you. And just, you just want to make sure you hit everybody, you know? Be like, uh, but, and so we leave, and we're walking around talking about, wow, that was so amazing. And it just, it marked that moment, and it was so moving for us, and Thanksgiving went to God. I want to live like that person that did that for us. You guys are generous in so many ways. Literally, last Monday, I was on my knees, I was praying. I was just giving thanks to God for just the weekend and what I saw in the church, an expression of just God's goodness through your generosity. I'm going to give you some things real quick. First off, you, you saw, you knew, fall retreat, 779 students, many impacted for Christ, impacted for their futures, their destinies. But here's someone here, also here, 71 host homes, 71 people opening their home up for these students, 146 small group leaders, given their time, given their weekend, staying up late to pour in to these students, 368 total volunteers on the weekend to make that happen. Then also the same week, we had our veteran celebration. We're at all of our campuses, we celebrated veterans. Here in Keller, we had a special reception where hundreds were able to honor and serve, but it took volunteers and teams and resources to be able to do that. At the same time this week, and we have our Thanksgiving boxes outreach happening. So we have our small group leaders, over 500 contributing and coming up and packing and putting together boxes so that this Thursday, when we're enjoying our Thanksgiving meals, we can know that 1,825 other people in our region are going to have a great meal as well because of your generosity. Isn't that phenomenal? Generous. Impacting people. And there's the one. There's Tim. You ever seen Tim's story? Haslam McKinney, you saw the video that we played of Tim's testimony last month, getting saved. Came to Milestone Church, reluctant, new to church, apprehensive, but somebody welcomed him, greeted him, made him feel at home. And then he found his home in Christ. He received Jesus, got baptized. But last weekend, I saw Tim post it on Facebook that he was so excited to share that he was able to serve. He was able to be on that front patio and look out for the next Tim, the next person coming in just like he was and love them and welcome them and usher them into church and hope that they meet Jesus as well. Let's celebrate Tim, also the one stepping out, serving, using his gifts. Awesome, Tim. Awesome. So quick review here. What are the big overarching themes about money in the Bible? We've been talking about these in the series, the big overarching themes. Number one, God's the owner. He's the owner. We just manage his stuff. And just for a window of time. It's a funny thought that whatever we steward and manage now, when we're gone, somebody else is going to manage and steward the same stuff. (laughs) It's just going to change hands. The only thing that's really ours is the treasures we store up in heaven. And God tells us that. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. We can send it on ahead when we give in his name. 
Second thing is there's a lot of opinions about money, but because he owns it, God's voice is authoritative. At some point, you have to decide, am I going to trust him in this area of my life? I trust him here, 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 but am I going to trust him in this area of my life? Third thing is our treasure and our hearts are connected. Crazy thing. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Literally, our heart follows our treasure. We think it's the other way. We're motivated to give to this. No, literally where we give towards our heart. Where does God want our heart? Tied to him, tied to his kingdom, tied to eternity. Such a cool principle applies in every area of our life. My daughter, her school does a secret Santa thing. They assign different kids and then you are gonna give a Christmas gift to that person. Well, she got assigned someone that she wasn't necessarily wanting to be assigned to. And her mom and I were like, good. This is gonna help your heart because it's gonna follow. Or your treasures, your hearts. God programmed this. He designed this into us. And the fourth thing, our starting point is tithing. That is the starting point of a good steward. Malachi 3 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Bring the whole tithe, that there may be food in my house. The whole tithe. Tithe, this means tenth. Bring the whole tenth into my storehouse. Storehouse is the local church, the place you are fed from. We return it to God through our local church. The whole tithe. I think it's really funny how God did that. The whole tithe. Tenth is a percentage. It's not like it's a, it's a variable of any sort, but it's whole tithe. Only because he knows how we are. We can like, you know, kind of bend it. Is it really that? Is it 10? Is it 9? 9.2? Like, is it, what is it really? You know, whole tithe. Pastor Jeff mentioned in week one that anything less than a tithe is a tip. Don't you wish a tip was under 10%? Like, I mean, I would like to, you know, I love good service and I will always tip for great service, but tipflation, it's gotten out of control. <laughs> Self-service and tip you. That's interesting. What a concept. How'd you pull this one off? Well, COVID, it's why we do it. Oh, okay, it's over though. Let's move on. You know, so I was at a restaurant this last week. Server came out, just bold, brazen, had the machine, right? He said, nice restaurant too. He did good service. I was going to give him a great job. I was happy he did a great job. Holds it out right here, eye, like in an eye line, sight. And he says, you go ahead and tap your card. It's going to ask you a question. I'm like, a question? Huh? Like, is it trivia? Like, is it a survey? Do you participate? Are we asking together? Is it like, what we? A question, huh? And so questions come up. And it's 18, 20, 22, 24. Wow. Okay. And then it's like, I'm just thinking more, it's like he did a 16% job, like a little over the 15, like he did a good, but that wasn't an option. There was the other, but it's hidden at the bottom in the corner. You know, it's like, you can't even see it. It's like another language, it's like Otro, right? It's like, they got to put it there, but they disguise it. And so no good person is going to be able to look at this guy. And so I'm just, you know, he did 18 good. And so I hit it, just, there you go, right? But tipflation, tithe, 10%. It's been consistent. God hasn't raised it on us. He's good to us. <laughs> Here's the other thing. It's a test. We don't like tests. Right? Tests hold us accountable. What we do, don't do, no one don't know. Nobody likes a test. And it's a math test. Nothing worse than a math test. I'm in ministry to avoid math. Like, that's why <laughs> there's, like, sciences, engineering, business. I'm like, theology. That sounds good. Why not? You know? <laughs> it's so... It's so, but it's a math test. You, you can't game a math test. 
like process of elimination, multiple choice, right? And then essay. Essays are easy. Kids, listen to this. Tell the professor their own words. They love it. When you say back to them what they say a lot, they love it. That's all they want to hear. If you do that in an essay, you're good, okay? And so, but you can't game a math test. But here's the deal. It's not even our test. It is a test of obedience, but God says, test me in this. He's the one. Test me in this. I mean, 2,500 years recorded history since Malachi the prophet wrote these words. 2,500 years. Test me in this. God has proved himself faithful for 2,500 years. At some point, it's like, nah, teacher, I don't think so. No, he has been faithful. So faithful that we even have testimony videos, our financial foundation class, they have all these testimony videos. We're going to show part of the series to encourage and motivate and just say, hey, God, trust God, he's got more for you. The videos were so good that I couldn't show them. And an ironic thing, they were so good that that person that I'm really trying to encourage just to trust, that you'd be like, oh, I don't know, it's too good to be true. So here's what I'll encourage you. If you have a friend that you know has stepped out and trusts God in this way with their finances, just talk to them. Ask them their personal experience. And the Bible can stand on its own. Malachi preaches itself, but let me reason with you. It's interesting that the people that actually do it are the ones that say they're the most blessed by it. And the ones that are skeptical, critical, and fearful are the ones that don't. That would be like there's a restaurant in town, opens up, and then everybody that's been there loves it. Raving reviews. But then there's some people that have never been. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not going to go there. It's no good. Right? Just to reason with you. I also want to make sure you hear this really, really clear. Salvation is a free gift. Free gift. You can never tie the day in your life, but if you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you receive him, begin a relationship with him, you're going to spend eternity in heaven with him, never paying a dime. He paid it all for you. So if you're a guest here today, and I have a friend that's coming, Claudia, she's going to watch online or attend in person, never been to church ever. Listen to how beautiful this is, uh, just how unchurched and just innocent in the whole thing. She had a local restaurant recently. I was inviting her to church, and she's like, well, I know they... You know, I've heard that who you are, and they told me that you're the Pope. <laughs> Bless you, daughter. Um, <laughs> and so I'm like, well, the pastor. Oh, pastor, okay. But just how it, and I'm not teasing you. I think that's so sweet, Claudia. I love the fact that this is so new to you. And maybe it's new to you today. Maybe you're the guest of a friend coming today, and you're like, now, what is this? It's a free gift. It's a free gift. Salvation is a free gift. But when we receive Jesus, it is cool that there are practical ways we see God show up in our life and he has this little test to prove his faithfulness. He just says, hey, trust me in this and see if I don't show up in your life. It is a cool thing just to see God show up in your life in that week. So we talked about tithings the first week and then we talked about offerings last week, which is anything above the tithe. And this is really fun because this is the spirit-led giving, these opportunities to give generously uh, to the kingdom, to people, to opportunities that present themselves and we want to be able to give more and more and more as we're a better and better steward. Because the goal of a good steward is to steward more, not store more, and not to be rich to self, but to be rich towards God. Right? Not to store more, but to be rich towards God. That's real riches. Because what is rich anyways? I could ask every single one of you and I'll get a different answer what rich is. Everybody's got a different number. 
You think about historically, it's a different number. You think about globally, it's a different number. Rich is relative. But more, you know what more is. You know if you're able to give more, serve more. You know if you're being entrusted as a steward of more. You, you can tell it's quantifiable. Rich is subjective. Reminds me of the guy, I don't know if you've, you've heard this before, but this, this guy, he said, listen, I know they say that money and being rich won't make you happy. But I sure would like to try that for myself. <laughs> That's funny. They're laughing at McKinney really hard. Hey, y'all calm down. Calm down at McKinney. Fine. Let's look in the Bible at a guy that literally found out for himself. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. This is Jesus telling the story. You're going to like this story. This is really cool. Someone in the crowd, a heckler, he said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, <laughs> who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. Like that. Be on your guard. Watch out for greed. Watch out for that more monster. Right? It's not wrong having stuff. When that stuff gets a hold of you, that's the problem. He's giving us a warning here. Verse 16, he tells him this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. So the ground brought this harvest. That means God's blessing, his increase is coming to him. In verse 17, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Verse 18, then he said to him, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for your many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. And I thought about that story in Jesus' parable there, and he, he said it as clearly as possible. I don't want to change any words of Jesus. This is the words of Scripture. But I just thought, what if it was a little bit in what Jesus' heart was for this man to really live? What if the story went that way? What if it was like the positive example of that story? So I rewrote it. Listen to this. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Here's what I'll do. I'm going to build a big barn to secure the harvest and be well taken care of. But out of the abundance God has provided generously for me, I'll be able to serve the needs around me and make an incredible impact for the kingdom. I'm also going to take some of the seed and I'm going to reseed the soil and trust that God will do it again. I'm going to keep the barns filled and keep the needs met. I'm going to be rich, rich towards God. That's a much better way for the story to go. That's the, that's the message that Jesus is wanting us to see. There's a better way that we can live. And I'm so inspired by people that are living this way, that are passing tests that I've not passed yet. I'm talking about people that could retire, could hang it up, could just self-serve, that could just float on a boat, that could go on vacation the rest of their life and be fine. But instead, they continue to work and build and invest. They continue to, to serve and carry kingdom weight. They continue to pour themselves into things that are going to have an eternal impact rather than just self-serve, being rich towards God. I'm inspired by that. That's you. I'm inspired by you. I hope I pass that test when it comes. I'm also inspired by you young families that are, that are in the process of building your family. 
But as you've been building your family, you've been part of Milestone Church, and over the last several years, we've had all these opportunities to really steward what God's given to us and give to his kingdom. We have all these building expansions and these steps we've taken. And every time that we've opened a building and opened seats, we've seen people come to faith in Christ. God has filled them every single time as we've opened seats and made space for people to come meet Jesus because of your sacrificial giving. But the part I like most about it is that my job on the team is architecting these things and the communication and just kind of keeping us on track for these. I've done four of them since 2007 at Milestone. Just, and I've watched families, and each time they take a step and trust God and hear from him and step out and obey and give generously and sacrificially, he resupplies. And then they have more faith for the next step and next step and next step. And then beyond their finances, it builds their faith for the things that matter even more and their purpose and their calling and their futures and their families and the things that God really wants them to step out in faith for. It's been an awesome thing to see, and it's in the culture of our church. So thank you for living that, being that, and doing that in that way. I'm also inspired by our serve team. You know, I showed you all those stories from last weekend, but every week thousands of people serve, small group leaders, serve team members here on the weekend, other projects, our local outreach missions projects, every week. And you guys have busy jobs, you have busy families, you have burdens of families, burdens of the jobs, but at the same time, you're going to give your time, you're going to give your talents, you're going to give your gifts to serve, impact the kingdom. Thank you. I want to honor you. Thank you, serve team, for doing that. I'm inspired by you. So a question I have for you is, is this. Here we are coming up on Thanksgiving week, Christmas around the corner. How can you be rich towards God this holiday season? Every year around this time, I become more generous naturally. I think it's just in part in the rhythm of its creation. God's sending his son, just injecting Jesus into our cosmos here. Just that fact that he gave, that we come around this season, it's just like, I want to be a giver too. It's just a reverberating effect of his great gift to us, his demonstration of love to us, that we want to then be a part of that with others. Last week, Pastor Jeff presented just some things, some real targets we have, year-end offering. Just things we pulled together to put in front of the church so we can be like, I want to be part of that. Again, we've been doing the building projects for years. And I've loved leading those. But here's something that I'm really excited about. Working with our mission teams, putting these things together so that you can have a direct impact in the lives of people. They can be rich towards God. You can know you're investing in eternity and impacting someone's life here and now. They can point them to Jesus. So if a big goal is $600,000, it's a big goal by the year end. We're going to take our single moms and widows stuff up to a whole other level next year. We're going to do our local school outreaches like we did last year, but more schools. You saw the shoe drive we did. I love that. The vice principal was at our 101, Discovery 101 class uh, last month, and she was just blown away. She's like, I can't believe you guys gave away nice shoes, like good shoes. Well, that was the whole criteria. We wanted a shoe that we would want to wear. I was that kid that didn't have the good shoes the first day of school. We're going to make sure these kids have the best shoes. She was blown away by it. That was one school. What do we do for two schools, for three schools next year? What about the veterans and active duty military? We provide scholarships for camps, retreats, counseling. We have other programs that we do want to serve our veterans. And then also we have global relief and mission partners around the world that we partner with. We want to partner with at another level. I want you to know as a church that whenever there's a crisis that hits, whenever there's a global crisis, you are representing by the hands and feet of Jesus of those that are directly on the front lines through your giving to make an impact. Money moves faster than airplanes sometimes, right? And so we're able to partner with frontline people, churches in the area, to be able to meet those needs in that community because of your generous giving. And finally, we have our Argyle campus that's popping up. 
We're going to have joy there. We're going to have Christmas candlelight services there. And then in the next year, we'll have some pop-up services and things to reach that region. We have people that are driving down, a lot of students coming to our youth group, and they're like, hey, we want to reach our neighbors, our community. Let us do something great up here in Argyle. And so we want to help get that launched. A lot of opportunities to be generous. If you want to be a part, we're not going to have like a, a, just a one-time offering, but as you're praying about towards the end of the year, in your giving, just on the giving things online, you can just choose that year-end giving option, and you can know it's going to go towards these needs here. I should be the most generous person on the planet because I'm definitely the most grateful for God's generosity poured out towards me. Uh, first, I mean, I hit the lottery. My, my parents, uh, my mom and my dad, they got saved right as they were starting their family. They gave their lives to Jesus, and they started raising a family, and they got saved, and they didn't know the Bible yet, but they just got us to church, and they didn't know everything to do, but they did the clear things. Not the easy things, but the clear things. And so they got discipled, and so immediately they started closing their restaurant on Sundays and said, we're going to church. The family's going to church. Closed it on Sunday, even though it was the busiest day of the week for their business on the island, they closed it. And the other thing they did was they tied. They said, we're going to put God first in our finances. And they made sure as kids that we put God first in our, our finances. I've never not tithed on a dollar because I started so young. And my parents said, let's, let's do the things that are clear. Not easy, but clear. Even for you parents, there's a lot of things in parenting. Remember, people are kids and people in general. They do what we do, not what we say. Simple things like you're doing today. Having your family in church. When they're in their 20s and 30s, that's what they're going to remember. Putting God first in your finances might not be hard, but that's going to communicate something to them and set them up for success in life as well. So they had us in church, and they were faithful. And then a step of faith came up for my family, and my mom felt called to further her education and be a marriage and family counselor. And so we ended up selling the business and taking a step of faith and began a series of moves around the country. So for me, I went to middle school in two different states, went to high school in three different states. It was a lot of moves and transitions, and it was messing me up emotionally, relationally, psychologically, just all kinds of ways, Lee. And I found myself going into my senior year in Florida, and I was in a real mental tailspin. I hadn't smiled, laughed, felt joy in months now. This last move, I'd lost a lot. I'd actually lost some friends that I had built. I lost a lot of opportunity. I had a, a local television show I was hosting. I worked for a radio station. At the radio station, they had set up uh, an opportunity for me to go to school in Nashville at Belmont University and be able to be a liaison. And so I had purpose. I had a plan for my future. But all of that just pulled out from underneath me. I'm on a walk one day, just in this mental state, just downcast. And as I'm walking and complaining to God, I literally felt like he came alongside of me, Jesus walking with me and just says, I got you, it's gonna be okay. You say, how do you substantiate the voice of God or what? I don't know exactly. I know it's only happened five times my entire life where I really feel like that was God. But that time it was enough so when I walked back in the doors of my house, I was a different person. Within a couple of weeks, the youth pastor at our church we were attending, he reaches out and he says, hey, I know you don't have a lot going on, why don't you come work for me? Why don't you be my youth intern? I was like, yeah, you're right. I got nothing going on. Sure. So <laughs> not a lot of opportunities. Yeah. And so I took the step, and then I'm working at the church. And a few weeks later, one of the girls in the youth group, Amanda, goes on a college visit. She actually goes to Belmont University. She came back. She said, while I was at Belmont, I had this thought, you know, I need to bring this back for you. And she brought me back this scholarship application to Belmont University. And I thought, that's interesting. That's the only school I ever even knew the name of or wanted to go to. And so, huh. So I hung on to that. I continued working at the church, and I read the scholarship, and it was a scholarship to be a future pastor. I thought, that's great, but I'm not doing that. I'm supposed to be going into music. And so 
held on to it, though, kept it in my room because it made me feel kind of scholastic, you know. (laughs) Nobody in my family, no male in my family had ever been to college. And so it wasn't really an aspiration, but I just felt, man, maybe. And held on to that. I'm working at the church. Then it gets to the due date. It's due on February 13th or 14th. And I remember the day before, I pull it out, and I thought, you know what? God's kind of working in me. Maybe he does want me to be a pastor. Tell you what, if I get this scholarship, God, I know you're calling me to be a pastor. So I filled it out. I went through. I started at the top. Okay, you got GPA. You got SAT. You got, ooh, no. So GPA, that's not good. I wasn't even the right decimal, right? It's like <laughs> SAT. I fell asleep in that one. ACT, I took it as a practice. I never went back for more. You know, and so I'm like, this is not good. And so I, I sent it off. I said, all right, God, it's in your hands. A few weeks later, I get a letter back from Belmont. And sure enough, it said, dear Mr. Chestnut, we're sorry to inform you that. I'm like, of course I didn't get it. Like, I wouldn't give it to me. I actually respect you guys more. Like, I wouldn't let me. Like, what a great school, right? And so, and so I'm like, this is fine. And that spring, I continued working at the church, continue to serve and start small groups and doing stuff in the middle school outreaches. And just, I just love using the gifts. I'm starting to think, God, I can't see myself doing anything else. I feel like you've made me for this. Are you calling me to ministry? I feel like you're calling me to be a pastor. So I reach out to my boss, Carrie, and I tell him, I'm like, I feel like God's calling me. And Carrie's like, yes, I know. That's why I have you working for me. I'm glad he told you. you know? And so this is amazing. He's like, why don't you work for me when you graduate? You can go to the junior college here in town, and you know, we'll keep on taking steps. I'm like, yes. We get to graduation week. We go do the run-through at the arena. The run-through happens. We come off stage. I come home. I get a phone call. I get a phone call, and the phone call goes like this. And he said, hey, is this Steve Chestnut? I said, yes, it is. He said, well, this is Dean Simpler. I'm calling you from Belmont University. I'm calling today to offer you a four-year full-ride scholarship to Belmont University. All books, fees, tuition, everything is covered in this. In fact, we saw your, your academic standing and failure to get admitted to the school. So we partnered this with a presidential scholarship, which waives all the admission requirements So four years, no expectations, no obligations. We would love to have you. All you have to do is say yes. I said, yes. (laughs) I'm going to college. Isn't that amazing? And I love the fact, yes, let's give thanks to God. Thank you, Jesus. That God waited until after he had worked on my heart before he gave me that scholarship as well. Why do I tell you that story? I want you to see what I told you at the start of the service, that God is a giver. And he provides far beyond resources and things. He provided purpose and calling and a destiny. You see that God has more for you. When I was at my lowest, when I thought I was at my furthest, when I was in my darkest place, when I was in my pit, I was actually right at destiny's door. I was right where God wanted me. I thought I was off course when I was actually on course for the first time. You see, wherever it is, you might feel like you're just way off, but hey, you turn to him. He's gonna direct those steps for you. Within one year of that walk with Jesus, I was called to be a pastor. I found hope for my future. I received the scholarship uh, to go to college. I met my wife all within a matter of months. I got you. I'm with you. And then God always blesses his way in his time. I have kids in college now. I have kids my own age then, now. And so looking back, I see this a little bit differently. I always thought this was God's blessing in my life, which it was, but I think through the lens of my parents, faithful, taking steps, 
giving, praying. I think through the lens of what they must have thought when God provided for their son, not just the scholarship, but that this God of the universe would reach down to their son that's just struggling and way off and in pain, and he would grab him and say, I've got you. That is a greater, far greater blessing than any financial blessing. And I want that for you too, whatever that thing is that's paining you that God's so good, such a giver, he can reach in and just grab it. And then God wants to bless others through you. The scholarship I received was the Thomas J. Madden Scholarship. You don't know who Thomas J. Madden is? Neither do I. <laughs> I reached out to him. I want to tell him thank you, but no correspondence, no response. He's probably afraid I was going to ask for grad school money. I don't know. <laughs> but actually, somebody else paid for my grad school. I want to thank them. But here's the thing. It's always God. He gets the thanks, but there's always a name on it. Whenever we give in Jesus' name, he puts his name on it. The thanks goes to him. I'm grateful for Thomas Madden, but as you heard that story, you see God. You don't just see Thomas J. Madden. I want to believe one day he was praying about, maybe one day there's a kid out there. He's struggling, but God's got a plan for him. And the Holy Spirit prompted him. And he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to set up this scholarship, the Thomas J. Madden scholarship. And maybe he'll do something great one day and pastor a great group of people. That's what I'm going to do. And sure enough, he did. So as you come into the year end, things I've talked to you about already, pray about putting your name on one of these opportunities. Say, you know what, our family, we're going to do this. We're going to partner in this way. Pray about opportunities to be extrav extravagantly generous. Just look around you. God, where are you leading me just to, just to overwhelm someone with your love and your goodness and just to bless them extravagantly this season? Pray about jumping in and serving one of our 25 services we're going to have at all of our campuses. We need you to use your gifts there, serving others. Say, man, where can I do that? Here's the cool thing. Generosity always has a name on it. But when we give and when we serve in Jesus' name, this miraculous thing happens. People see Jesus, not us. And then we also receive even more than we give. It's a beautiful design. You just got to trust a minute and step out. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much. You are a giver. Even to call you a giver, it's almost not saying enough. God, we thank you that you gave your life. You gave your son, Jesus Christ, that we can know you. If you're here today, if you're like Claudia, new to church, new to Christianity, asking questions, and you've never received the free gift of salvation, it's pretty awesome. The sin, the weight, the shame you feel, the Bible literally says we can exchange that. We can receive God's righteousness. All you have to do is admit that you're a sinner and then believe that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins in your place and that he was buried and rose again. If you believe that, you say, Jesus, I need you to save me. I need you to take away my sin. I want a relationship with you. And you pray that in your heart right now. And you say, God, I want to make you the boss now. I want to make you the Lord of my life. I want to do it your way with you for eternity and you invite him into this relationship, the Bible says he comes and he'll make his residence inside of you. He'll give you a new heart and you'll walk out of here with a hope and a joy and a future and eternity with him. You can receive that right now. If you do pray that at any of our campuses or online, our campuses come down and tell one of our prayer team members. 
If you're here in Keller, I'm going to be out in the comments. Come tell me I want to know. If you're online, tell Pastor Luke there in the chat. He wants to know and gives you some next steps. And then finally, for all of us, God, we want to look more like you. We want to be more generous. We want to be more giver. We want to be a steward of more for your kingdom. And God, I pray you would entrust great riches, the ones beyond money that everybody here, that you would bring your blessing in their life, blessing in their marriage, blessing in their uh, their family, blessing in their calling and their career, blessing in just the hope and future they have walking with you, Lord. I pray your blessing upon them. God, this area of giving that you would as they test you in the tithe and giving, that you show faithful, it just shows how much you love them and see them. For couples here, spouses that are, it's a little contentious, the tithe thing. God, I pray rather than bring division, Lord, there'd be a unity. If that's you and there's that tension, just relax. God's good. He's gentle. He's kind. Pray about it more. Don't fight. Stop. Pray. Ask God to help you come to a place of unity. Invite that step and blessing into your life in a way, Lord, that brings, that brings unity. So, Lord, meet them right there. God, we thank you for the blessings you poured out in our lives already. We pray you trust us with more. We'll be better stewards for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.